quickly to Outlook. I want to welcome all members who have logged into the Trinity for silent prayer or meditation. Thank you very much. Honorable members, before we proceed, I would like to remind you that the virtual mini plenary is deemed to be in the presence of and constitute a meeting of the National Assembly for debating purposes only. In addition to the rules of the virtual sittings, the rules of the National Assembly, including the rules of the debate shall apply. Members enjoy the same powers and privileges that apply in a sitting of the National Assembly. Members should equally note that anything said in the virtual platform is deemed to, to have been said to the House and may be ruled upon. All members who have logged in shall be considered to be present and are requested to mute their microphones and only unmute when recognized to speak. This is because the mics are very sensitive and will pick up noise which might disturb the attention of other members. When recognized to speak, and connect your video. Uh, having said that, I would like all the members to now, who are on the platform, to now mute their, their microphones. And if possible, they can even remove the videos for a better uh, bandwidth, so that only when your name is called, you show your video. We do appreciate, though, that you might be having problems with network, with load shedding. So we will allow, if you report, that you cannot show your face. Members may make use of the icons on the bar at the bottom of their screens, which is an option that allows a member to put up his or her hand point of order. The secretariat will assist in, us, uh, in uh, alerting the chairperson to members requesting to speak. When using the virtual system, members are urged to refrain or desist from unnecessary points of order or interjections. Lastly, I wish to remind you that we are meeting session and therefore any decisions will be taken in a full plenary session of the assembly. Honorable members, the first item on the order paper is subject for discussion in the name of Honorable M. Nyonzo on establishing shared values in a polarized, diverse society that could cement a common nationhood and bring a sense of belonging to the most vulnerable. I will at this juncture now recognize the Honorable Nyonzo. 
House Chairperson. South Africa, as we know it, is a polarized society in many respects. The gap between the super-rich and downtrodden masses is very high. The fragmentation of people on racial, ethnic, and even tribal level continues to be a serious feature in the day-to-day -day life of the people. Even the idea of a rainbow nation is now thrown out of nighttime discussions. South Africa seems to want to remain a skunk in the eyes of the international community. The past, when apartheid authorities called the shots, appears to be difficult to shrug off. It is two steps forward and three steps backwards. This is beyond stagnation. It is going back to the past. International crime syndicates are never broken down and stopped in their, in their tracks by the cluster of security in the country. We have drug lords who are established in their territories of crime and the selling of Nyaope is now a norm in the community of the poor. This breaks up families and destroys communities. The economy is on a downward spiral. It has been so far a long time already. The economy is a base for the development of a people's way of life. The culture of respect is fast draining away. Opportunists rush to the courts for self-aggrandizement instead of self-defense in the courts of law. This makes the rights offered by the constitutional democracy to be abused and rendered a thing for the rich who can pay their way out of the trouble, out of jail, and out of suffering for the ills they've made in society. Crime and punishment is no longer a shared value. South Africa is perceived as a corrupt country. The formal liberation movement in the corridors of power is known for constituous consumption. Their corrupted values are seen by many as to put their snouts in the feeding trough. The feeding throat. Redistribution of wealth from the hands of the few to uplift communities is not a shared value any longer. The thieves who robbed people of their territories' rights to land are going about scot-free without reparations and restoration of the birthright of the indigenous peoples of our beautiful land. Casual racism is coming up from time to time and in the institutions of higher learning. This is intolerance of people of darker skin in the, in the high schools. It is pure racism once again, raising its ugly head. The state president referred to tribalism as the cause and effect of July 2021 unrest in KZN and Gauteng. If a higher office like that of president makes such a complaint, it means we're in a situation that Sobukwe, founding president of the PAC said, apartheid multiplied. Afrophobia has, has come back to express itself in new cases. Vigilantes are doing their work that they are, as they want because the offices of peace and government officials are out to take bribes and corrupt the system of administration. No country runs on an, on an hard hoc basis and gets itself right. The PAC is if the view that we must discuss our nation would once more in this house. Do we all citizens have intrinsic value to be seen to want a life of decency? Do we all pledge our loyalty to Africa, where our beautiful land is? Do we all belong? Why are, the, why are others better in their development and way of life better than others? Why are we othering others? The African revolution to build a sense of society where justice prevails and peace reigns. Who, who, who betrayed 
Who would betray if Parliament falls to debate these issues? Thank you very much, Comrade Speaker. Thank you, Honorable Nyonso. Uh, Honorable, okay, they switched off now. I wanted to speak to the member who was on. Can we now recognize the ANC, the Honorable Munyai? Uh, Honorable Chairperson, I would, I, we have a load shading here in Gauteng. I will not be able to show my video. My apology through your permission. Uh, thank you. It's, it's accepted. Thank you. Uh, esteemed Honorable Chairperson and the people of South Africa, the African National Congress in its 50th conference, National Conference Strategy and Tactics, characterize the democratic transition having open code brought to an end uh, to the abhorrent system of apartheid colonialism and ushered a new era of democracy, peace and justice. The foundation has been laid for our society to develop into truly united, non-racial, non-sexist nation, close quote. Any organization, honorable chair, that doesn't have a strategy and tactics will not understand this question under the debate because it will perish. Esteemed Honorable Chairperson and the people of South Africa, we locate this debate within the context of a historical colonialism of a special type, and it must be understood and answered. So therefore, this question, Honorable Chair, it must be understood through the National Democratic Revolution and how our answer to this question contribute to the revolution and the vision for united, democratic, and non-racial and non-sexist and more equal South Africa. It is very important that we use this platform to assess the progress made and challenges that remain. The point, Honorable Chair, is what then become the role of every citizen within society. And of course, the uh, the government, the role of the state in the current conjuncture. This old Marxist saying, Honorable Chair, open quote, we cannot only understand our efforts at liberation if we don't understand the enemy's efforts at domination and oppression, close quote. Esteemed Honorable Chairperson, our understanding of shared values in a polarized, diverse society and to build a common nationhood must be understood in the context of our national struggle for national liberation against national oppression and national deposition and should be determined, Honorable Chair, by our grasp of its antithesis, the mechanism of a national oppression. If the speakers don't understand, Honorable Chairperson, or have a grasp of its antithesis, they are likely to, to really to be lost in the veil of despair in the content before this debate. Failure to understand how and why we were oppressed could lead to a strategic error in our efforts at national liberation. 
It is only when, like other honorable members, have accurately characterized the nature of the oppression that we can adopt strategy and tactics of not only resisting and struggling against, but overcoming such oppression. The ANC strategy and tactic has said that, open quote, we should build a developmental state with strategic political capacity and technical capacity to intervene to the question under debate in the interest of the people to resolve uh, the question under, under consideration. Ensuring peace and prosperity also requires a democratic government to address the, the original scenes of depossession which stripped up the dignity of Africans. As Sol Plachi alluded uh, in 1913, uh, in the African become the pariah of his land. This is the essence, uh, which means the liberations of Africans in particular, and black people in, in general, from political and economic bondage. And also social power. We should not only understand that we should be at the helm of the state machinery to change the life of our people for the better, but also understand the issue of economic power and other social powers. It means uplifting the quality of all South Africans, especially the majority of poor, who are poor. By the way, Honorable Chairperson, the ANC is unashamedly biased to the working class and the poor. The state has taken a great stride, Honorable Chair, to address inequality and Section 25 of the Constitutional, through the Constitutional Amendment, which opposition party did not support uh, uh, through the, uh, for the purpose of the expedite, to expedite the redistribution of land of the people of South Africa, so that they can work it as enshrined in the Freedom Charter. Our democratic constitution, through the breakthrough of the 1996-1994, and also the constitution as adopted in 1996, reaffirmed the ANC commitment of building a non-racial, non-sexist, inclusive and democratic society, which means more equal society. In this essence, Honorable Chair, it means the liberation of our people, Africans in particular, and the black people in general, from political and economic, I said this issue earlier. Honorable Chair, these are the values that our own government has sought to uphold in all its programs. If you are not in government, you will not understand this, this development or the progress made by this ANC-led government. The impact of colonialism in our, on our values it's one of the critical issues that we need to follow through at all the times. As we continue as the nation to build an inclusive society founded on the democratic values as enshrined in our constitution, we must, however, Honorable Chair, strengthen our fight against the values, against the values entrenched on our people by colonialism, imperialism, and apartheid. One of the glaring detrimental values of colonialism and apartheid was to entrench itself on the deep-seated understanding of the personal wealth constituted on truly means 
measures of success. Honorable Chair, I need to bring this element, Honorable Chair, where, where the forces opposed to progressive change, such as the Afri Forum, who want to bring the older parted flag in the midst of a progressive government, that should be fought side by side. The same way we fought the symbol of apartheid, we fought against apartheid, imperialism and colonialism. Honorable Chair, this element of trying to reverse the gains of a democratic government should be fought side by side by all South Africans together, regardless of your political party line. Today, our people have the right to adequate shelter. Let me just put it this way, Honorable Chairperson. For the past 28 years, the ANC government has built many houses. Going forward, Honorable Chairperson, we are concerned about the quality of houses. For the past 28 years, Honorable Chairperson, the ANC government has built more clinics and hospitals. Going forward, we need to build the quality of healthcare through the introduction of the national health insurance. The ANC government electrified many houses across the spectrum of the whole country. So the critical issues, Honorable Chair, is the restoration of the dignity of the vulnerable of the provision of the basic services and the safety net of our people. Our democratic government is committed to restore the dignity of the vulnerable people in our country through the provision of the basic services and social safety net. Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson. Thank, <clears throat> thank you, Honorable Munyai. Let me just say to the other members that will be speaking that as soon as I show my face when you are speaking, because I don't want to interfere with your speech, it's when you are left with one minute. So it's just an indication for the speakers to wrap up. Thank you very much. We proceed and from the DA, recognize the Honorable Sharif. Thank you very much, House Chairperson. Living in South Africa sometimes feels like the worst decision people can make. We find ourselves in a downward spiral of despair for what tomorrow brings. As a country, we are faced with countless struggles that test our resilience on a daily basis. Our resilience remains constant, but wary. There is a massive lack of humanity. There is no e equality. We face the most imaginable, the worst imaginable violence and struggle through each day without a care by those leading us. The lack of accountability for those who are shamelessly eating money that is meant to improve people's lives are signs that we are losing our humanity. If we continue on a tra trajectory that shows no empathy for our fellow women, we will create a society that will ruin future generations. A future with no humanity is no future at all. The, the notorious B.I.G., a.k.a. Biggie Smalls, once said, we can't change the world unless we change ourselves. If anybody has forgotten or stopped believing in the power of the people of this land, I am here to remind you that it is real and it is powerful.
You have the power to bring change within yourself and in turn will have the power to change the world. I want you to remember that not all heroes wear capes. The potential of the people in this country outweighs and supersedes everything else. I want you to remember that leadership is not about title or a rank. Leadership is about people. Leadership is about putting others before you, making sacrifices for the betterment of others and building safe environments where we can trust that we have everyone's interest at heart and not only a select few. We must lead with empathy. We must lead selflessly and we must hold ourselves accountable. We have seen South Africans come together on so many occasions, giving each other a hand up and standing together. I am because you are. This concept transcends all cultures, religions, race, class, and everything else that seek to divide us. I am because you are is a value that we must hold dear to us and protect. The power of a united people can never be underestimated. Human nature has a tendency to only look out for oneself, survival of the fittest, as they say. But it doesn't have to be like that. We always have a choice. This is what makes us human. Our ability to choose between right and wrong, the ability to feel emotions and have and use logic and reason. We can and we must do better. We all deserve to live in a country where we feel safe. We deserve to live in a country that cares for our well-being and provides opportunities so we can use our talent, passion and determination to improve our lives and others. All of us deserve to be happy and live peaceful and content lives where we can meet our own needs, but also the needs of those around us. In the words of hip hop artist Joey Badass, it's for my people trying to stay alive and just stay peaceful. So hard to survive a world so lethal. Who will take a stand and be our hero for my people? I thank you. Thank you, Honorable Sharif. I don't have a name from the EFF, but I realize the members are here. I'll be debating Just it. Thank you, Honorable Shira. You may proceed. Thank you very much, Chairperson. I mean, this is a very strange topic for debate, particularly coming from the Pan-Africanist Congress of Azania, the party claiming to be of African people and which ought to be inspired by the ideological clarity of Mangaliso Sobukwe, Ashby Pitam Da, Pitam Kotseo Raboroko, and many others. The 1959 Pan-Africanist Manifesto characterizes European imperialism and colonialism as a chain of reaction whose genesis is the quest for expansion of capitalist production, which led to the land robbery and political subjugation of African people here and other people elsewhere in the world. This robbery and subjugation was established by the barrel of the gun and its architecture is still solid to this day. The Pan-Africanist Manifesto argues that the only way through which there can be a sense of common nationhood that Mr. Nyonto speaks of is through the liquidation of the forces of oppression and the accession of African people's rights to shape their own destiny. 
it goes further and says that it would be impossible to liquidate the forces of oppression and for African people to shape their own destiny if we have amongst ourselves leaders who have been captured by the white ruling class to do its bidding and sanitize the aspirations for true liberty amongst African people. The foremost pan-Africanist theoretician at the time, Peter Raborogo, asserted that the attainment of true liberation must be as a result of the actions of African people themselves. In his criticism of the ANC at the time, Raborogo argued that the grave man of the Africanist charge against the Chatterists, therefore, is that they have betrayed the material interests of the African people. They have sacrificed these interests upon the political altar of an ungodly alliance, an alliance of slave owner, slave driver, and slave. He went on to argue that to them, master and slave, the exploiter and exploited, the oppressor and the oppressed, the degrader and the degraded are all equals. To them, indigenous African nationals and immigrant European foreign nationals, the dispossessed and their dispossessors, the victims and their robbers are all countrymen. For them, the progressive and the reactionary, the African subject and its foreign overlord are all brothers. Mr. Nyonto, the history of your own party is littered with, with rich literature providing a succinct disposition of why we, we, we are where we are as a society. And it, prove, it provides solutions as well. The polarization you speak of is rooted in imperialism and colonialism that your chain of reaction theory speaks of. There can be no unity while the material conditions of African people are still as they were at the height of colonialism and apartheid. When your own leaders were part of the ANC Youth League, they wrote the African creed at the end of the Youth League manifesto. That creed proclaimed that Africa's cause must triumph. And at the center of that triumph is the return of the land and of the country's riches back to the African people. Without the return of that, which was robbed from us, our society will continue to be divided and polarized. Today, it is black people who stay in rat-infested and flea-ridden shacks because they have no homes of their own. It is black people who snake through the queues in public hospitals only to be told there's no medication for their illnesses. It is black people who are evicted from farms they've been calling home for generations. It is black children who attend dysfunctional schools only because the party and government employs unqualified teachers and fails to deliver textbooks. It is black women who are raped and murdered in the townships of this country only to see their tormentors walking the streets because policing for poor black people is not a priority in this country. That is the root of the polarization. And without addressing that root cause, there is no solution to the problems that this country faces. The president of the PAC must go back to read PAC basic documents and not betray the cause which his predecessors died fighting for. After he has done so, he will realize that there is no common nationhood between the oppressor and the oppressed, between the colonizer and the colonized, until all that belongs to African people has been returned to them and until all African people are free to determine their own destiny. Thank you, Shepherdson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well done. Thank you. Uh, we now proceed, uh, Honorable Langa. Uh, we proceed now and uh, invite and recognize from the IFP, Honorable Sengwa. Thank you very much, Honorable House Chairperson. I hope I'm audible. I would like to keep my camera off um, for challenges. Yes, you, of are. you may proceed. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. 
Honorable Chairperson, the mood in the country right now is indeed somber. At the outset, the IFP thanks Honorable Nonso for tabling this very important debate. As South Africans still in healing from our past, we have, swept, we have swept the most uncomfortable topics under the carpet, leaving millions to suffer and millions without gainful employment. If we ask ourselves what we want for our country and what this should look like, the simple answer is we all want a South Africa that works, and we all want to build a prosperous and united nation that we can all be proud of. Chairperson, it is for obvious reasons that the construction of a gigantic flag by the Department of Sports, Arts and Culture was never going to sit well with the public. Beyond its sheer scale and despite its grand ambitions of uniting all of us behind our flag, South Africans across the board rightfully protested this costly cosmetic monument because the daily lived reality of our people is joblessness, growing inequality and poverty. South Africans no longer feel safe. South Africans no longer feel their hard-earned taxes are funding the items that should be improving their lives, such as better transport, quality healthcare, education, and infrastructure. South Africans are tired of shutting down their businesses due to ESCOM's inability to generate enough power to keep the lights on. South Africans are not feeling particularly patriotic because the problems of illegal immigration, porous borders have, been, have not adequately been addressed. South Africans no longer feel that they can trust the current administration to steer us in the right direction. Chairperson, we can be sure that our country is not short of ideas and solutions to the above mentioned challenges. In pursuit of togetherness, social cohesion and patriotism, and through the upliftment of the poor and most vulnerable, South Africa can stand united when all the people are at work creating enough jobs and growing the economy while rooting out corruption and ensuring the safety and well-being of all South Africans will certainly build a sense of patriotism. Therefore, Chairperson, we can unite behind the legislation that will reserve the allocation of job placements in the low to the no skills sector for South Africans. We can choose to unite behind the IFP's private members bill, which will put South Africans first and get our country back to work. We can also get behind a clear and decisive plan from our national, provincial and local governments and how exactly the most basic of our people. In building upon our country's spirit of resilience, hard work and patriotism, the IFP's Employment Services Amendment Bill, should it be adopted by this House, will place millions of our unemployed young people in jobs. Chairperson, in closing, the IFP firmly believes that we can meet and cement common nationhood by putting South Africans first. If every citizen of eligible working ages secured a job, we will have a South Africa and a country and an economy for South Africans that we can all be proud of. It's about going back to the basics and putting our people first. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Sengwa. Uh, from the FF Plus, we now recognize Honorable Van Staden. Geachte voorzitter, ik wil graag twee kort gedeeltes aanhouden vanuit president Nelson Mandela's toespraak, wat hij geleverd heeft met zijn inhuldiging als president op 10 mei 1994. LDV experience of an extraordinary human disaster that lasted too long much must be born a society of which all humanity will be proud. Never, never and never again shall it be that this beautiful land will again express 
experience the oppression of one by another and suffer the indignity of being the skunk of a war. The ANC government that has, after 28 years, failed the Honorable President Mandela on all aspects of life. This government has, over the past 28 years, left the elderly, defenseless, and orphans alone in the cold and in the rain to get by with on their own with what they have. We see this every day in the media where provinces do not pay the grants on time or at all to these institutions. The youth in this country are struggling on a daily basis to get the education they deserve in their mother tongue language. The oppression of the ANC government against minority Indian colored and white students that stop them from becoming doctors and nurses because of the color of their skin is an outrage and it will be a disappointment in the eyes of all president. Order. The current shortages of doctors and nurses and the current state of our public hospitals and clinics are proof of this ANC oppression which plays out on a daily basis in all communities. Yeah, South Africa is a world in one land and our gemeenschappen hoeft not to polarized to be, but the ANC regering and parties like the EFF bow there more between gemeenschappen with racist creators up and is busy to bring a new apartheid in South Africa to stand. This is makkelijk for the ANC and the EFF to other to blame for every problem and mislukking that in this land opduikt. But the question is, why have you as the ANC regering toegelaat that you have your unbevoegdheid a fast place gegeven for corruption, one bestuur and one administration and one Honorable Van Steden, yes, I'm sorry, there is, <coughs> there is a hand. Uh, I want to check. Honorable Munyai, Honorable Munyai, you don't just say order before you raise your hand. Now I recognize you because you have raised your <laughs> so, hand. Don't so, do that. So, sorry, Honorable, Honorable Chairperson. I want to understand if really the Honorable Van Steden meant that the ANC government is bringing a new apartheid. Or not? I will say I don't have time if you remember what the engagement may can do afterward. That is makkelijk for the ANC. Okay, proceed. I wanted to, to, to respond and say let's not, that's that's not a point of order, please. Thank you, Chairperson. That is makkelijk for the ANC and the EFF from under to blameer for elke problem and mislukking wat in hierdie land opgeduik het. Maar die vraag is waarom het jy as die ANC regering toegelaat dat jy jou eie onbevoegdheid een vastra plek gegeet vir corruptie, wanbestuur en wanadministratie wat dagelijks leid tot die aaneenstorting van kritieke infrastructuur. Moe nie een vinger na andere wijs as jou eie onbevoegdheid soos jy helderlig skyn nie. Jy spelen baie gevallekie spelekie. Alle Suid-Afrikaners het die recht op die kultuurerfenis. Daarom moet die erfenisterrein uitgebrei word en alle kultuur en erfenisse van alle groepen moet bijgevoeg en uitgebrei word en nie weggevat word nie. Moe nie gaan karring met die Afrikaanse taalmonument en die perel nie. Een monument wat volgens my inlichting in die vorige termijn dier ANC Elpies van die Kinselkultuur Komitee as die meest eerlijke monument in Suid-Afrika bestempel is, waarom wil hierdie regering nou daar die monumentse naam gaan verander? Hierdie regering moet die diversiteit van hierdie land as een bate erken en gin aan elke groep in hierdie land sy plek in die son. We want to build the nation. We want to build South Africa. Yes, that is why we are in parliament. But to build a nation and to strive to social cohesion, this government must stop with its cheap politics. You must recognize the problems. Causes of problems must be acknowledged and identified instead of blaming minority groups for your own failures. I say it again. Yes, we want to build South Africa and not destroying it. But then the scapegoat politics of this government must come to an end. Spend the little group of taxpayers that is still left in South Africa's money wisely on getting the country's infrastructure back on track Prioritize the spending of money in a correct and lawful manner. 
But if you are going to spend 22 million rand on a 100 meter flagpole, when you are leaving not only the elderly, defenseless and orphans all alone in the cold and the rain, but every single South African in this country. It is time to get rid of racial driven and new apartheid policies and laws and get the economy back on track. Let's get the economy growing, but you will not succeed if you continue with triple BEE. Wealth cannot be distributed, but it must be created for all South Africans. But that can only be done when these laws are scrapped and scapegoat politics are being chased out the door. Speaker, I want to leave you with these inspirational words of Martin Luther King Jr. If you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But rather you do, you have to keep moving forward. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. You must Thank start you. moving forward yourself. Oh. Honorable Piri, don't do that. You repeat, you know, that's a warning. You know what should happen. Um, Honorable members, I just want to confirm before we proceed. If there's somebody, none. Okay. We now move to the UGM and invite the Honorable Kwankwa. Is Honorable Kwankwa here? I didn't check. Okay, we'll come back. Again, the ATM, I don't have a, them on the speaker. The ATM. Who's that? Who's opening the video now? Okay, nobody's speaking. Good, Honorable Heron. Thank you, House Chair. Um, House Chair, it's difficult to create a sense of collective belonging in a society as unequal as ours that is not founded on social, economic, environmental, or spatial justice. We're a country of diverse cultures, languages, and colors with a rights-based constitution. But we're also still a country in which the, the relationships between race and class and race and space are to a very large extent determined by apartheid classifications and privileges. The gulf in living standards between suburbs, townships, and informal settlements in our towns and cities are so wide that it feels our people are inhabiting different universes. We must ask hard questions of ourselves as lawmakers. Over the past 28 years, to what extent have we, ex have we succeeded in building bridges between formerly divided communities? Where has the nation building poetically trotted out by successive governments since the 1990s actually had an effect? Why are we continuing to build houses for black people in the same kinds of places that the apartheid government built them, far away from the action in our towns and cities? Why have we allowed our land reform processes to proceed at such a snail's pace that has barely had any impact on land ownership patterns to date? Why are former Model C schools generally so much better than those attended by the majority of our children? The recent reports of violence, intolerance, and hatred at Stellenbosch University highlights the long road we still have to forge before we get to a fair, just, and united nation we'd like to be. Last year, research indicated that 21% of women had experienced physical violence by a partner. South Africa is one of the world's most unsafe places for women, with statistics telling us that a woman is murdered every three hours in South Africa. We can't talk of common nationhood 
while our men predate on women, mothers, wives, and girl children. As parliamentarians, we must contribute measurably to reducing inequality. When we are more equal, we will have laid the foundations for a common sense of belonging and pride. I thank you. Thank you, Honorable Heron. Honorable Mpanza, please switch your video. Uh, now we recognize from the DA, Honorable Abrahams. Switch Thank off you. your video, Honorable Mpanza. Proceed, uh, Honorable Thank you, House Chair. Post-apartheid South Africa emerged on the world stage as one of, one of the most multicultural nations and an example for peaceful reconciliation, a society where races and cultures like Khoisan, Afrikaans, Indian, Zulu, Koza, Pere, Swani, Muslim, to name but a few, were all integral in forging a new union showcasing enviable leadership to a once oppressed country. In 1994, our nation celebrated the death of a previous South African identity of being an apartheid state and was reborn as the Rainbow Nation. An opportunity to embody Ubuntu living, we understood and embraced the concept that to have a beautiful garden, we need more than one type of flower. We lost sight of this opportunity due to the failed leadership which followed. We still tarnish our Rainbow Nation identity today with an ANC-imposed identity of a corrupt failing state, a state without electricity, crisis-level unemployment, and sickening gender-based violence statistics, a state going through depression and anxiety. The choice is ours, whether, do, whether we accept this new ANC identity or challenge it and find our way back to the euphoria once felt using our resistance to propagate growth and change. Our young South Africans, we want to move forward. We want a prosperous future, not burdened by the nostalgia of the past or the sins of our father. Our young people, as young people, our identity is one of hope as we hold the key to our nation's future. We need to reevaluate ourselves as this rainbow nation, starting in this very chamber as members of parliament and leaders. Before the parliament fire, I would look around the NA chamber and feel immense pride when I could see with my own eyes that the Democratic Alliance is the only party with a truly diverse group of MPs. This diversity extends to all provinces and cities where we have representation showing leadership without corruption and improving the security of all people where we govern through innovative, solution-driven ideas, while other political parties build trenches of resistance that hinder progress. The DA-led Western Cape government's mixed social housing development, Conradi Park, is an example of an integrated start of what society can be, a community that will see a diverse group of South Africans living in unity where the law of averages have been applied to bridge the inequality gap. The DA-led Western Cape government's COVID-19 Hospital of Hope in the CBD, as well as other field hospitals in Kailiche and across the province, are shining examples of what is possible without looting and corruption, a selfless government committed to the well-being of its residents. We do not need to wait until conditions become ideal. We can simplify our lives and live in ways that affirm human values and principles. There is light at the end of this dark tunnel because the South African identity is the rainbow nation, Ubuntu living, driven by our common purpose to see our country prosper, recommitting ourselves each day anew 
to save South Africa from the corrupt, greedy and selfish few. We should not be seized with power, imposing hardships and instilling despair, instead overcome the breaking down of each other, understanding that the relationship between the privileged and the underprivileged is symbiotic. We need to look at each other from the simplistic point of humanity and create new positive common stories that make us one people. I conclude with a verse from Maya Angelou. Lift up your faces, you have a piercing need for this bright morning dawning for you. History, despite its wrenching pain, cannot be unlived. And if faced with Thank courage, will not member. be lived again. Thank you, Alstje. Thank you. Honorable members, uh, we now recognize from the ANC, the Honorable Mkacho. Thank you very much, House Chairperson. Uh, honorable members, citizens of South Africa and China. Mastona Noktogos, Agum Shonisha, PAC, Shonishin Yonto, Gogus Letter Lena, Balegi, Lestogos, the Kulum Shonisha. This motion into, looks into a number of issues. The first being that of shared values. While some of us may have a common understanding on what is wrong or right, there are still some in our country that want to deviate from that common understanding. A common understanding that is clearly articulated in the constitution that governs all of us. The founding provisions of our constitution by virtue of the constitution being the supreme law of the land superseding all other law and government action should be a foundation for the building of shared values among citizens. Yet the case of Dien's instead of Bosch, the abuse of Namtla and Umtata undermine the founding provisions of our constitution that advance non-racialism and non-sexism. They undermine the founding provisions of our constitution that speak to human dignity, the achievement of equality and the advancement of human rights and freedom. So Honorable Nyonto, you are correct to suggest that we discuss this matter of shared values, considering how years of colonialism and apartheid would have polarized our people. But I want to caution us from using the words polarized and diverse synonymously. You see, when we speak of social polarization, Honorable the, um, Van Staden, um, we, we, it's, it's a negative uh, you know, uh, um, term. It considers a segregation of a society as a result of discrimination along the constructs of class, race, and gender to mention but a few, thus placing a people at different ends of the spectrum. So we do need certain reforms, honorable um, from the FF uh, plus, to ensure that we are able to redress the inequities of colonialism and apartheid. And for me, I am concerned that when we are discussing a matter on building nationhood, on having shared values, clearly, when you listen to the FF plus, there is a disjuncture amongst us as social partners, as, of, as members of parliament in this parliament. And that is where we must begin if we want to champion a, 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 an understanding of national identity, of nationhood um, within, our, within our country. So when we speak of diversity, I think of us speaking about different races, religions, gender, age, sexual orientations and physical abilities coming together to form a community where they, we recognize and value the cultural differences of our people. 
Diversity acknowledges that a people in a community can be heterogeneous, retaining unique characteristics of their traditions and cultures, yet appreciating the importance to coexist. In fact, a diverse society welcomes the celebration and sharing of um, people's unique cultural ways of life, languages, art, etc. Diversity is built on acceptance and respect. So I guess the next question is then, considering that we are a polarized, um, we are polarized as a consequence of colonialism and apartheid, appreciating our diversity, can we build shared values that will cement a nationhood that can bring a sense of belonging to the most vulnerable, and in fact, all South Africans? And the answer is yes, and we must commit ourselves to that. And when I say ourselves, I mean all of us, all of us as South Africans, through what the President Cyril Ramaphosa always refers to as a social compact. All of us need to be hands on deck. Government private sector, social institutions, all of us. President Tabumbegi says something very positive happened in our country in the aftermath of the emergency of the COVID-19 pandemic. He says for the very first time since 1994, we had all social partners more or less saying the same thing about what needs to happen. Government, business, labor, civil society, communities and constituencies all saying that the pandemic needs us to join hands and work together to change the situation and address the consequences of the pandemic. Now, President Beggy further challenges us by reminding us that this need for us to join hands and work together existed before COVID-19. And we've been braving through the plagues of unemployment, poverty, and inequality. The proposal from the private sector to invest one trillion was the public sector invest 2.4 trillion to support the economic reconstruction and recovery plan to build an inclusive economy in response to COVID-19 and the widening inequalities is evidence of our ability to come together joined by a common view, common approach and a common commitment. COVID honorable members has shown us that we can indeed as South Africans social compact. Now the question is dear South Africans, it is now more than ever where we must ask ourselves and introspect whether it took a moment where the lives of the poor and the rich were threatened for us to appreciate the importance of a common plan in achieving the country's fundamental need for socioeconomic transformation in ensuring the self-liberation of all South Africans. You see, we have to go into the social contract, honorable members. It has to be done. The manifest of the governing party Going into local government elections outlined that we must urgently finalize the social compact between social partners to achieve our country's fundamental social transformation, to reduce and eradicate the plague of unemployment, poverty, and inequality. You find this national call in a manifesto for local government elections because it is only through a broader social compact that we can pull together the resources needed to bring government's plans into implementation. We want to commend the work of the president through the NEDLAC consensus on the economic, uh, on the EWRP and trying to foster the social compact. This plan through which all of us as South Africans should work together to build a new economy. We must commit ourselves as honorable members to ensuring that all our departments contribute to this important plan. It is imperative that we build an ethical and capable developmental state with the capability to translate policy and plans into reality. 
A developmental state should first and foremost have the capability and legitimacy to intervene in the economy to ensure that it redistributes assets and income in an equitable manner to address the class, gender, and race contradictions in our society. We need a social compact with business in order for us to eradicate the polarization we are concerned about. In building nationhood, you work towards building a socially cohesive society. And the NDP says to build a socially cohesive society, South Africa needs to reduce poverty and inequality by broadening opportunity and employment through economic inclusion, education, and skills, and specific redress measures. measures. Allow me, honorable members, to expand a bit on education. Institutions of higher learning are quintessential public goods as they provide citizens with skills and knowledge to be active participants of the economy. Addressing class, gender, and race polarizations rooted in years of colonialism and apartheid. But also institutions of higher learning are spaces where value systems can be harnessed and shaped as Paulo Freire argues where diversity can be embraced as mutual respect and inclusiveness is promoted. Now, if at the University of Stellenbosch, about 30,000 black students applied out of 55,000 applications and only 1,000 black first year students enrolled out of 5,700 first years, I am not a mathematician honorable members, but something does not add up for me. My suspicion is that there is a a deliberate attempt in the selection process to approve certain applications. Your time Thank is you out. very much, Honorable House Chairperson. Thank you. Uh, we now recognize from the NFP, Honorable Sheikh Imam. Thank you. Uh, thank you, House Chairperson. Chairperson, I think the first question we should ask, what happened to pre-1994 when there was a cry and a call for people of diverse backgrounds, irrespective of their color or their religion, to come together to fight apartheid with a united cause to liberate our people. What happened to that after 1994? Now, you know, I, I see that we talk about a very diverse society, common nationhood, and bring a sense of belonging. Suddenly we find that it's not about belonging, it's about entitlement. What we find currently today is that racism is more a problem today created by politicians in this country than it ever was pre-1994. And politicians today divide you on race, on religion, on tribe, on your economic strength. And now, of course, they're dividing you even on gender as well. Where, Chairperson, is those cultural, religious norms and standards that we want upon a time applied in our lives? Where is that struggle that we fought together to liberate each other so that we can be united in our fight for a better quality of life? Who are the real enemies and root cause of why our people today, where almost 11 million people are hungry in this country or jobless? Who? Is it not our very same people that fought for liberation and today are marginalizing and oppressing their own people. Why? It is because of greed, it's about selfishness, and one of the root causes is this, that we are responsible for that because of the vulnerable state we are in. We are manipulated by politicians and political parties 
to come out there and support them. And the moment that is done, and when you're gone and you got the vote, we never ever see them again. Now, the question that we need to ask is, what do we need to unite again? Should we not be putting our differences aside? Should we not be forgetting, uh, leaving alone the issue of the color, the religion, the race that you belong to, but as one united nation with the common interest of creating a better life for everybody in this country? That is what we should be fighting and striving for. Let's forget about the color. Let's forget where we come from, how much you have and how much you don't have. Let us work together in the interest of this beautiful country. That is my plea, Chairperson, to our people here and all political parties. Don't divide us anymore on religion, on race, on color. It's not what we want. We want to be united. Millions of people Thank are you. suffering in this country, while a few are benefiting and becoming millionaires. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you. House Chair. House Chair. Honorable Kwankwa, your hand is not up. You, you must uh, raise your hand. I, call, am, call I have a monitor here. Please proceed. My, what is it? My, my apologies. Did I miss my opportunity? Sorry. Let me give you this opportunity now, Honorable Kwankwa. My apologies, Chair. Sorry. <coughs> Chair we, we would also like to take this opportunity to thank Honorable Nyonso uh, for raising this very important debate. And it occurs at a time where the context, current context facing South Africa at the moment is one where is characterized by inequality, extraordinarily high levels of poverty, as well as unemployment. Previous speakers already cited the high levels of unemployment in South Africa because we know that South Africa suffers from a chronic unemployment problem. We are saying as a party, for as long as issues of inequality, for as long as for as long as domestic workers, for as long as there's no clear transformative agenda, the problem in South Africa is the minute you talk about transformation, but the minute you talk about reconciliation, social compact access to resources, they occupy the margins of the South African economy. Ibange lukuti ababandu bebe strinezele imi nyakale yonke banga funu kusuka kwenda wabakuzu kumedisana no kupushi sumdonzundu kubasa upinde sea ambetina with a backing bowl so kali ngaisho kubo. Ilendi bange liba zibe emboldened the racists even kwi institutions of higher learning. Zibe emboldened the racists in all sectors of society. We need to make sure that those fundamentals are addressed 
and are in place for the benefit of our own people. level playing fields. Up until we are able to do as well, even the resources that people are supposed to be paying in the form of tax for monies that they make out of the country. But tax avoidance and evasion as much as possible, but limiting Mali revenue services as I was since implement the income redistributive policies. So Kufna Sikale Kalin, Silung Seng and Telemakers, Kokosho Nom Zanz Africa, Sizukas United, Singa Uniting as a Swiss lamp line. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Kwanko. We proceed and recognized from the AIC, the Honorable Jafta. This honorable chapter here. Okay. Uh, Aljama, Honorable Hendricks. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable House Chair. Since transforming our country from an apartheid system to a democratic dispensation, it's necessary that we all identify with its shared democratic universal values. The Constitution was in fact crafted to assist in achieving these, backed by a, a Constitution that contains a pro-people's Bill of Rights, meaning that everyone's rights with, without the border, within the border of our country is and remains secure. But despite having a wonderfully constructed Constitution, our nation seems not to have overcome its apartheid past, and because of that, continues to be racially divided. That's why I would like to thank the PAC for putting this on the agenda. The Democratic Alliance and Freedom Front must reign in every forum. They, they must say as elected representative Afrikaners, not in our name. I hope we will hear that today. When the nation feels scared and protected by its government, it will naturally have a proud sense of belonging. The people on the Cape Flats don't have that sense of belonging. Alzheimer feels that while it's only the African National Congress with Alzheimer, not as its praise singer, but the party that has oversight, like we agreed in the trenches, that can give the nation a feeling of care and protection. The PAC and other parties uh, that were, all, were also in the trenches should add to this oversight. As for the social divisions in terms of income, etc., uh, our education reveals the extreme poverty the vast majority of African children are still love, living under. It's no wonder that white students feel free to display their authority by urinating on the belongings of black students. Some white students so believe that they have a right to display an oppressive flag. The racist incidents at Salamis University and others we do not know of is a manifestation that whites have a sense that they have a right to do as they please. Are the mass of the view that to cement nationhood and to bring about a sense of belonging among all a few steps must be followed to achieve this goal. It is possible to do so if the concept is reflected in the practice at all levels horizontally and vertically. On the horizontal plane, the government should show that they identify with these values in the daily dealings with communities. 
for example, steeds to demonstrate that they are against all forms of corruption, and that we don't really see enough of. On the vertical plane, civil society also plays a role, not the role that is played by every forum. That is not helpful in bringing about uh, transformation. But Africa does not have Uru, Uru but a negotiated settlement. If every forum denies transformation, going to court, then Uru must be on the radar. Thank you very much, Honorable House Chair. Honorable, thank you. Honorable Langa, uh, what you have been doing on the platform is not allowed by the rules of the National Assembly. You cannot be on the platform and answer a phone like that. That happened with me, uh, Honorable Matthias, but I realized he, he was not uh, aware because after the call, he immediately switched off. So please, let's respect this house. Apologies, uh, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Langa. And we now proceed to the DA and uh, recognize the, the Honorable Dr. Scriber. Thank you, Voorzitter. The ANF tot Zuid-Afrika's Grondwet sketched the vision of a land verenig in our diversity. Op diezelfde wijze is the lezen van ons landse wapenskult ook eenheid in diversiteit, eerder as eenheid in eenvormigheid. Nou, daar is een baie goeie rede waarom ons grondwet soveel klem lee op diversiteit. Dit is omdat Zuid-Afrika een van die meest taalkundig en cultureel uiteenlopende lande ter wereld is. Die schrijvers van ons grondwet het goed verstaan dat een land so uiteenlopend soos ons sin slechts voor en toe kan beweeg, wanneer ons ons inherente diversiteit vier, koester en respecteer, eerder as om daar die diversiteit te probeer versmoor met gedwonge eenderzijd. Die idee dat Zuid-Afrika's diversiteit als een bate, eerder als een last beskou moes word, was revolutionair. Volgens hierdie visie zou alle Zuid-Afrikaners verenig rondom basisse grondwetelike waardes soos vrijheid, die oppergezag van die gerecht en menswaardigheid, terwijl elkeen steeds die recht zou hee om al taal te praat of deel te neem aan die culturele leven van al eie kese. Dat hierdie inzicht op papier tenminste die hoeksteen vorm van een groot deel van ons grondwetelike bestel, was een van die meest merkwaardige deurbrake ooit vir Afrika-liberalisme. Maar minder as drie dekades later, ondermijn die ANC hierdie visie van eenheid en diversiteit. Oor die afgelopen 18 maanden het die nationale regering die grootste aanslag sê dit 1994 teen ons land sy rijke diversiteit van stapel gestuur. En in bijna elke geval het hulle vooral een specifieke groep in hulle versier gehad, Zuid-Afrika sy uiteenlopende Afrikaans sprekende gemeenskap. Eers het minister Blijdense Mande die 7 miljoen sprekers van Afrikaans beledig die aan te voer dat Afrikaans kamsdag een uitheemse taal is. Dit was slechts dankzij die DA'se verset, dat hy uiteindelijk gedwong is om een rechtsmening aan te vraag, wat in duidelijke termen bevestig het dat Afrikaans wel een inheemse Afrika taal is. Maar minder as een week later, en kort nadat sy vlagpaal ordentelijk geval het, loodsminister Natiem Tetwa toe die volgende aanslag, dier eensuidig daarop aan te dring dat Afrikaans verweider word uit die Afrikaanse taalmonument in die perl. Nees minister in sy mande, gaan minister Mtetwa om vastloop in die DA. In samenwerking met van ons landse voorste kunstenaars, bied die DA hierdie saterdag een protestconcert in die perl aan, waar ons boodskap duidelik is. Ons sal nie toelaat dat minister Mtetwa's aanval op ons diversiteit slaag nie. Ek doen vandag ook twee directe beroepe op minister Mtetwa. Nummer 1, skrap onmiddellik die wansinnige voorstel om die Afrikaanse taalmonumentse naam te verander en daardoor die monument van sy identiteit en symboliek te stroop. 
Nummer 2. Aangezien hij duidelijk niks voelt voor die taalmonument niet, verzoek ik daar die minister duidelijk om hier te schrijven. Yes, thanks. Honorable schrijven, I'm sorry for that. I see a hand of Honorable Litsie on the platform. Thank you very much, Chair. I was just uh, saying uh, we can hear Honorable Schreiber here. We've tried to get the English translation. It's not here, so it's very difficult to follow what he's saying. We know he might not be saying anything, but we still want to, to, to hear. Okay, but uh, Honorable uh, Mr. Chacho, the interpreter, is there? I don't know. Let them fix it. Thank you very much. Uh, Honourable Annette Stein. Thank you, Chair. Yes, thank you, Chair. I just want to ask the member to um, retract what he said to say we might not say anything. I, I think it is not um, needed, Chair. Sometimes we listen to other speakers and we can't understand because the translation is not there. But it's not a good thing to say that. Thank you, Chair. Okay. Okay, I missed that one. Uh, the honorable member, I didn't see you, but please let's refrain from doing that. Um, okay, I will allow uh, Dr. Schreiber to, to proceed now. And please uh, let me assist, be assisted with the translation. Thank you, Voorzitter. The first Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Voorzitter. The first is this that the minister onmiddellijk die wanzinnige idee skrap om die Afrikaanse taalmonument zijn naam te veranderen. En die tweede beroep is dat aangezien minister Mtetwa duidelijk niks voelt voor die taalmonument nie, ek versoek dat die minister dadelijk beheer oor die Afrikaanse taalmonument afwentel aan die DA-beheerde weeskaap, zodat so ons ordentelijk kan kyk na hierdie kostbare deel van ons landse erfenis. Baie dankie. Dankie, oie. Uh, we now proceed to the ANC and recognize the Minister of Sport, Art and Culture, Nyambos. Thank you very much, uh, uh, House Chair, uh, to ministers and uh, deputy ministers here present, uh, honorable members, members of the media, ladies and gentlemen. The approach here, Chair, uh, which uh, uh, we are focusing on is the contextualizing of the polarization of South Africa and the genesis of shared values. The polarization of our society has deep roots in the colonial history and the generations of liberation struggle of our people. It often assumed the racial, economic, and epistemic nature of the oppression of indigenous community of our people. Also, an unforgettable legacy of land dispossession with its attendant colonial education and cultural religious practices that supplanted indigenous epistemologies. Such epistemic violence dismembered families and the philosophical fiber of knowledge systems of the African in his 
or her land of birth. The reconstruction of South Africa from a racially conceived and relentlessly engineered social construct of systemic inequality, exclusion, and division into an inclusive society has been on the agenda since the earliest days of resistance to colonialism. It took a definite form and purpose with the emergence of early African nationalist movements in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. The 31st of May, 1910, was the launch of the Union of South Africa after the South African War ended with the Treaty of Ferenigen, a negotiated settlement between African, the Afrikaners and the English had one common point of convergence. That is the exclusion of the indigenous people of our country. This exclusion negated all the possibilities of social cohesion in South Africa from the very early stage of the evolution of our society. Colonial conquest therefore had two contradictory consequences. On the one hand, it brought together different communities into one state in a single territory. On the other hand, this very conquest was used by colonizers to prevent the unifications of these communities into a nation. Essentially, the colonizers actively ensured that they obstruct any inclination to building a nation. There was therefore no nation or nation building effort to talk about before the 1994 democratic breakthrough. The liberation movement responded and it replied. It replied through the Freedom Charter. The liberation movement's mission of existence was to unite the oppressed majority primarily and in turn use that, that milestone to unite all the people of our land. This is the bedrock upon which the parliament of the people, the African National Congress was formed. The settlers ganged up to exclude indigenous people from political, social and economic life on the land of their birth the liberation movement, on the other hand, forged ahead in building and consolidating unity for all. The first blueprint of social cohesion against the imperial exclusionist political agenda was the adoption of the Freedom Charter. The Freedom Charter clearly states that, and I quote, we, the people of South Africa, declare for all our country and the world to know that one, South Africa belongs to all who live in it, black and white, and that no government can justly claim authority unless it is based on the will of the people. That our people have been robbed of their birthright to land, liberty, and peace by a form of government founded on injustice and inequality that our country will never be prosperous or free until our people live in brotherhood, enjoying equal rights and opportunities. 
that only a democratic state based on the will of the people can secure to all their birthright without distinction of color, race, sex, or belief. And therefore, we, the people of South Africa, black and white together equals countrymen and brothers adopts this freedom charter. And we pledge ourselves to strive together, sparing neither strength nor courage until the democratic changes here set out have been won. The inclusive nature and character of the Freedom Charter is the cornerstone of social cohesion that wrapped off onto our 1996 democratic constitution of the Republic. Talking to social cohesion in nation building, the two concepts are in most cases used interchangeably, thus conflating the complementary meaning of one to the other. What is positive though, is the embracing of the two undergirding a need to build a nation. Nation building is defined as, and I quote, diverse origins, histories, languages, cultures, and religions come together within the boundaries of a sovereign state with a unified constitutional and legal dispensation, a national public education, an integrated national economy and shared symbols and values as equals to work towards eradicating the divisions of injustices of the past to foster unity and to promote a country wide conscious sense of being proudly South African and committed to the country and open to the country and the world. The national strategy for developing an inclusive and passive South African society defines, defines social cohesion as, and I quote, the degree of social interaction and inclusion in communities and society at large, and the extent to which mutual solidarity finds expression amongst individuals and communities. Close quote. We seek a chair to build a national democratic society. The strategic objective of such is a creation of a united non-racial, non-sexist democratic and prosperous nation. The attainment of this society we are striving for will depend largely on the success in the prosecution of the national democratic revolution. Our strategic perspective informs us that the main content of the national democratic revolution is the liberation of Africans in particular and blacks in general from political and socioeconomic bondage especially the poor and a majority of whom are African and female. At the same time, it has the effect of liberating the white community from the false ideology of racial superiority and the insecurity attached to oppressing others. The National Democratic Society's vision is foregrounded by building a democracy with the social content, a capable developmental and ethical state informed by our own realities. This will, in some respects, reflect elements of 
the best traditions of social democracy, which include a system which places the need of the poor and social issues such as healthcare, education, and social safety nets at the top of the national agenda. Intense role of the state in the economic life of the whole society is imperative. And this chain is the interventionist nature and stance of the democratic uh, government. This is what the ANC government has been and continues to be seized with since the dawn of democracy. It is accompanied by a critical element of value system based on human solidarity, striving for active citizenry, pride on the nation's identity, patriotism, etc. It is against this backdrop that we took on the task to establish, to establish shared values in the polarized, diverse society that could cement a common nationhood and bring a sense of belonging to most, to the most vulnerable. To this extent, different sectors of society become key in nation building and social cohesion agenda. Precisely because patriarchal oppression was embedded in the economic, social, religious, cultural, families, and other relations on all communities, its eradication cannot be an assumed consequence of democracy. All manifestation and consequences of patriarchy from, from the feminization of poverty, physical and psychological abuse, undermining self-confidence to open and hidden forms of exclusion from positions of authority and power need to be eliminated in our society. Critical in this regard is the creation of material and cultural conditions that would allow the abilities of women to flourish and enrich the life of the entire nation. Social cohesion in a national democratic society will also depend on the extent to which the rights of those in the lower ranks of socioeconomic ladder are protected. Such a society should proceed, should proceed such a, a, a society should proceed from the obvious premise that workers' rights are human rights. And these rights should find expression in law in law-governed measures to ensure decent jobs, job security, and a living wage. A nation's success depends also on its ability to encourage, harness, and incorporate into its endeavors the creativity, daring, and energy of youth. This relates to such issues as access to social and economic opportunities, engendering activism around issues of development and values of community solidarity and creating the space for youth creativity to flourish. On National Symbols Chair, national symbols are significant, especially in public spaces as a way of communicating a particular message with citizenry. The symbols such as Statues, coats of arms, uh, badges, monuments, and so on, are some of 
many ways in which history, morals, norms, values can be educational and or inculcated, inculcated into the conscience of the nation. One scholar, Paul also captures this matter succinctly when he says, and I quote, if state symbols can be linked to events and situations that the citizen psychologically associates with pride, joy, and high spirit, these good feelings may rub off on the flag and other national symbols and enhance their emotional value. One of the most obvious ways through which this is done is participation in international sports events. Even though few, if any, may feel anything special about a new design flag, many will come to feel a lump in the throats and tears in their eyes when, as the national flag is slowly raised and the national anthem played, the top athletes of the nation ascend to the winner's block at international sport tournaments. Whatever that happens, few people will ask about ethnic, ideological, or social membership of the athletes. In such situations, the athletes do not represent any particular section of society, but the nation and its state. Want to state, Chair, categorically, that we are steadfast and committed to ensure that we decolonize and transform the heritage landscape in our country. It cannot be that the formerly oppressed South African majority continue to be a cultural minority in the public spaces. We will, Chair, without apology, uh, ensure that we fast track and accelerate this program so that in the final analysis, uh, those who are represented are the people who have to be. And in conclusion, Chair, in the quest to building a new Your society. Your time is up. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Your time is expired. Thank okay. you. Um, thank you, Chair. Honorable Nyonso, uh, you have uh, saved five minutes from your previous lot, so you have um, you have eight minutes to to conclude. Honorable Nyonso? I think it's covered, Chair. Covered? I think Comrade Nati covered everyone. Let me check if you want that. Honorable Litsia, please. I don't see Honorable Nyonso anymore. Can I check with my table if he's there? The Mohawk of Minister Nyonso covered it. Honorable members, please order. Order. Let's allow the Honorable Nyonso to speak. Honorable Nyonso, I was saying that you have saved five minutes from your previous slot. 
So you have eight minutes. You may proceed. Honorable Nyonso, can we please be patient, honorable members? Let's be patient. Okay, I but I can hear you now, honorable Nyonso. The idea behind this debate, Honorable Chairperson, is for this House to debate the national question. The idea for this debate, Honorable Chairperson, uh, it is to bring to the attention of the nation in the Africa in Africa. The idea is to debate this topic, Honorable Chair, where we must all know that, as the Sobukwe would say, that Africa is for Africans and Africans for humanity and humanity for God. The idea, Honorable Chairperson, the color of our skin and the shape of our nose and the texture of our hair doesn't count in a free Africa. And this is what the founders of the PAC, Osobukwe, Oraburoto, Omtupingi, and others taught us that for us to, 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 to have a nation united, we must first understand that we are human beings and we belong to human race irrespective of color or creed. So the Abulela Gakulu, the topic and the, thank you very much. Hey, Honorable Asnat, Honorable Piri. Honorable Piri, I'm going to take you out. I think I gave you a warning before. Apology. No, no, no. Honorable members, I think they want to join PAC. Honorable members, let's 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 check how we behave around our gadgets. We don't want to hear what you are doing there. We are in the house here, and you are you are having conversations. Make sure that we don't hear those conversations. Why do you? fiddle with your your gadget when you know you are not speaking please honorable members let's respect one another this the, the, the decorum of the house shall be upheld even if we are on a virtual platform thank you babunyonzo um, honorable members that concludes the debate on this subject and then we shall now proceed to the first order of the day which is the consideration of the report on Portfolio Committee on Higher Education, Science, Innovation, and Innovation on Oversight Visit to Stellenbosch University. At the time I, I received this, I don't know who is introducing the subject. Is that you, Honorable uh, Molekwa? 
who introduced no, it's, uh, I didn't get a name. It's Mukachwa. Okay, Honorable Mukachwa. Honorable Mulikwa, I've just been talking to what you have just done. Please, let's respect this platform. Proceed, Honorable Mukachwa. I'm sorry the your name was not printed. I'm sorry. Proceed. Thank you very much, House Chair. House Chair, um, we must indicate that, you know, we would have appreciated more time to present this report to um, the House considering um, its relevance um, generally, not only because of what's currently happening at Stellenbosch University, but, um, you know, because of the need for us to play continuous oversight over the institution's transformation journey. Now, on the 16th of February, 2022, this year, the committee visited Stellenbosch University where we engaged with council management, student leaders, the institutional forum and workers to gain an understanding of the institution's transformation journey. Now, while I was trying to speak to, in the previous uh, uh, um, um, debate, Chair, um, was a, a, an analysis that we made during this oversight where at Stellenbosch University, 30,000 black students applied out of 55,000 applicants. Only 1,000 black first-year students enrolled out of 5,700 first-year students. For me, there's a bit of suspicion to this because it almost seems as though there's an attempt um, to be selective in the approval of applications. Now, if we do not allow for the natural makeup of these institutions, as per the demographics of the country they are microcosms of, then we will have incidents like where Dian thought it was okay to urinate over his fellow black uh, students' belongings, because perhaps Dian's thought that the University of Stellenbosch exists in isolation to the rest of democratic South Africa, where his racism perhaps he thought would be accommodated. So through the oversight that we do in higher education institutional um, and higher education, institutional autonomy at times becomes a hindrance when it is incorrectly used as a defense mechanism. Yet it must be our collective interest as communities to be assured that these institutions are indeed serving the public interest of harnessing young people who when they enter our communities as graduates will be able to contribute to the strengthening of con the continuous journey of social change where together we seek to create a South Africa that truly belongs to all who live in it as articulated in the Freedom Charter. House Chairperson, um, we as a portfolio committee on higher education science and innovation acknowledge the fact that we need to see transformation um, and equality in the higher education sector between historically black institutions and historically sorry historically disadvantaged institutions and historically privileged institutions and that means that we need to eradicate a culture of whiteness of historical whiteness in historically privileged um, institutions in ensuring that these institutions are safe spaces inclusive spaces for all young people to thrive within in garnering in, in, in harnessing their skills and knowledge to be active participants of our economy there are a number of matters that um, were addressed during this oversight visit. We looked into the issues of language in higher education, and there was a, a, an agreement that we don't seek to eradicate uh, Africans. Uh, in fact, with the African National Congress, we speak about inclusivity, but we need to make sure that in the higher education space, we are diverse enough and inclusive enough in terms of the language that is used for teaching and learning to accommodate 
the different representation of, of, of students in the space. And so we received a briefing from the department as well on that. Um, but also what really stuck out from what the SRC said was that we need to ensure that these policies and frameworks that are printed, that are conceptualized, become a lived reality for all students, for all workers in the institution. Um, and that is something that we as a committee are committed to ensuring we support the sector in achieving. Uh, down with uh, sexism, down with racialism, Chair. Uh, we present this report for the House to consider and adopt. Thank you so much, House Chair. Thank you. We will invite from the DA the Honorable King. Um, thank you, Chairperson. Transformation normally implies deep change in knowledge and curriculum. It mostly entails questions about inclusion, identity, diversity, intellectual tradition, and intellectual justice. In the higher education context in South Africa, transformation is a different meaning. Its definition is rooted in our country's apartheid history. Uh, multifaceted and complex is how transformation at higher education can be described. It involves integrated processes of continuous institutional change in all aspects of university functioning. Transformation is therefore the driving force that moves universities from a current state to a desired state based on inclusive processes of democratization and restoration. The oversight was to establish Stellenbosch University's 2022 academic readiness, its financial sustainability and transformational progress. Stellenbosch University's vision to be Africa's leading research intensive university, globally recognized as excellent, inclusive and innovative to advance and knowledge in service to society has no doubt in its academic process and finances geared towards achieving their vision. At a university such as Stellenbosch, which is separative history of more than a decade, they endeavor to place transformation at the center of their operations. Based on its vision 2024, strategic framework 2019 to 2024, and 2022 to 2027 institutional plan, the university has centered the transformational agenda on eight teams, which are transforming the institution talent in the institution, internationalization, teaching and learning, the student experience, social impact, research for impact, and leadership. To ensure achievements of its transformational agenda, Salem Bosch University increases transformational KPI for all employees from 20 to 25%. Employment equity plans included for the appointments of the committee of the Senate, director program conducting research on transformation and various staff publishing on transformation visual redress such as having the preamble of the constitution in three languages in front of the old main building welcoming benches in 15 languages on the railway plane renaming hp thorn theater to adam small theater renaming rw wilcox building to kratua building and making its emblem inclusive, showcasing the three official languages of the Western Cape. Well, with all the concerted effort to ensure transformation, what led to this oversight? Could it be the DA's fight against the institution on its intentional transformational agenda to suppress Afrikaans and the Namakwe language as its in its language policy? That certainly was the real reason for it. However, with enough exerted pressure, 
the university had this to say in its report to the portfolio committee. Stellenbosch University is committed to multilingualism by using the three official languages of the Western Cape. SU supports the view that Afrikaans and Nama, Khoi and Sun languages are indigenous languages and was confirmed by the SU Coordinating Council. On the increase in application of his Black students comprising of African colored and Indian students from 22,000 in 2021 to 55,000 in 2022, progressive initiatives are embarked on, such as offering under and postgraduate degrees in Isikosa, Isikosa Interpretation and Translation Services, and introducing Mobilix, which provide online trilingual glossaries of terminology. Now let's get to the real reason why this oversight was brought to the fore. Recent events of rape incidents at one of the university's hostels and the peeing incident of a white student on the study material of a black student are the reasons why this report was pushed forward. The incident of GBV falling under the radar to the more popular incident of rape. We await the report on the incident which marred the institution and advocate for restorative justice. Transformation should be felt in one's being, a transitional intertwining of university and community, a move away from just a black and a white issue to the bigger picture of inclusive, innovative progress. And chairperson on the lighter note, as the committee will know, Candace King has spoken. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Member. We will know, I don't have a name for the EFF. I'll be doing it, Chairperson. Thank you. Proceed. Thank you, House Chair. It would not have crossed even our wildest imagination that barely two months since this committee conducted an oversight visit to the Stellenbosch University, we would be faced by a despicable incident of anti-Black racism. Even after receiving a firm caution and guidance on the racist Buramach Afrikaner culture that characterizes an institution that sits at the heart of the disposition of land of African people, one tins to do it resolved to urinate on the belongings of an African child. He did this because he's the ultimate representative of the racist culture of Stellenbosch. His act was a confirmation of what his institution thinks of black people as beings not worthy of respect, humanity, or dignity. The committee and this report reflects truth, Chaperson, about Stellenbosch being a center for Afrikaner folkdom, which fails to attract black professionals and has a management structure riddled by white Afrikaner men. Women only occupy 40% of senior management positions, while the representation of black African senior staff sits at a lousy 4%. The university could not, and to date, has not been able to provide a gendered and racial breakdown of their dropout rates, which are likely to disproportionately affect Black male and Black women students who are subjected to the indecency of racism. In terms of all the metrics of equal representation of staffing and governance of the institution, Stellenbosch University fails. If this was an institution of predominantly Black students, as is the case so frequently across the country, Stellenbosch University would have been long put under administration. There is clearly no intention by this institution to be African, even while it exists in Africa, and it exists as an enclave of white superiority complexes and a disrespect for Black people. The decline in a need for indigenous languages reveals that Black people have given up on Stellenbosch as a site to get education.
And in defense, therefore, of all the African people who were urinated on by Tienz Dudoit and his unnamed racist compatriots, and there are many victims, the EFF rejects this report, Chairperson. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Honorable Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Uh, the report of the Committee of Higher Education on a recent oversight to Stellenbosch University has not come at a more relevant time in South Africa's socio-political space. The intent of this committee's oversight was to assess the university's readiness for 2022 uh, academic year, yet what they found there uh, are issues of inadequate and slow transformation within the university. The committee had various presentations from senior prof professors regarding the issues of diversity, inclusion, and transformation. In fact, in support of universities' view that there has been progress, Mr. A, uh, Mr. Amos, chairperson of the University Council, stated that University uh, of Stellenbosch is committed to unity in diversity by inculcating tolerance of and respect uh, for different perspectives and beliefs. Unfortunately, his uh, is is is. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry, Chairperson. Something's just disturbing me. Uh, unfortunately, his and the various other uh, presenters were vaulted into the stark reality that a culture of racism, intolerance, diversity and superiority in the university among some. This was brought to light when a white student, Theon Studoit, felt it necessary to urinate on a black slender's desk. The criminality of his actions showed a proud display among some fellow students that indeed there is a well-established base of uh, racism within institution, and this cannot be tolerated. The actions by Dudoy showed a hatred and, underval and undervaluing for black education and supported uh, the sentiments made by the university's SRC in arguing that transformation was indeed superficial. Only seven days ago, it was uh, also reported that a student at the same university had been uh, allegedly arrested on charges of rape. Now, Honorable Chairperson, this brings into question the effectiveness and the commitment by the university that supposedly supports out constitutional values in addressing transformation, unity, tolerance, and respect, as alluded by Mr. Moss. Uh, more must be done and, in fact, imposed on the university under the prescripts of our constitution. This university has been known. Well, uh, Chairperson, uh, we support, uh, um, the FK supports the report. 
Thank you. Uh, from the ACDP, we invite. Uh, okay, let me say that Asna Alika Malaga FF Plus. That is Wijnand Boshoff, Achbare Voorzitter van the Vrijheid Front Plus. Okay, that's the way, Gaba. Thank you, Voorzitter. Om in die badkamer te ireneer en nie op iemand se boeke of rekenaar nie, gaan oor maniere. Iemand wat dit doen, verteenwoordig niemand nie. Hy het wangedraam en moet die gevolge draam. Verkrachting is net so, maar erger. An oversight visit is always something to look forward to. Colleagues in the committee are attentive, critical in a well-natured way, and always witty. It is a pity we hardly ever agree. The oversight of the University of Stellenbosch is a case in point. Although we were terribly late, the chair apologized profusely and the university accepted it with dignity. Then they started their presentations. All dignitaries did their best to project a highly transformed institution of high academic value. The university has a good idea of what the committee would like to hear and really wanted to say it. The numbers in the room did not quite reflect the numbers on the whiteboard. The room look, looked quite transformed, the numbers less. And for my agile-minded colleagues, that was not difficult to detect. Now, we all know that Salenbos is the alma mater of several prime ministers and other key members of the pre-1994 establishment. The present management would rather that we see the university as a top-performing research institution which is well-governed and creates a third income stream. Also, as a university of choice for all population groups which does not give preferential treatment to Afrikaans students or prospective students. The university's nickname is not even Martis anymore, but the more inclusive word studies which made me chuckle as I thought of Simon van der Stel as a key figure in early colonial settlement, not so very inclusive. A perception developed in my mind that the people in Stellenbosch said, we want to remain an excellent academic institution, make a list of everything we have to change to stay the same. Names of buildings? Check. Language policy? Check. The committee, the committee noted. The problem is that once one follows that route, one has accepted its premises. The most important one is that transformation demands that each institution should reflect the whole country's population. The Freedom Front Plus insists that an Afrikaans higher education institution in the South, that one in the North, is justifiable, as recommended by Professor Jack Scherwell about 20 years ago. But universities agreed that it needed not be the case and ascended a treadmill of which the government has the speed control. My conclusion is that if this committee had to choose between quality and transformation, they will choose transformation every day. The Freedom Front Plus does not share that view and will not vote for the report. I thank you. Thank you, Honorable Member. Uh, Honorable String. Thank you, Honorable House Chairperson. The ACDP notes that the committee, as part of its oversight mandate over the post-school education and training system, conducted an oversight visit to the Stellenbosch University. The purpose of this oversight visit was to engage with the university's management, council, and stakeholders on the progress made with the university's transformation journey. The ACDP positions that our tertiary institutions play an important role in molding the minds and hearts of our young people. 
and in so doing, are able to contribute meaningfully and positively to the many social ills and economic challenges facing South Africa. It is in this light that the ACDP has condemned the urinating incident at Stellenbosch as a violation of the dignity and privacy of our student Barbalo by fellow student Tiens de Toit. This must never be allowed to happen again, ever. The ACDP is aware that learning and culture is our largest national budget item of some 441.5 billion. Our unemployment rate, however, at 35.3% is one of the highest, with approximately 3.4 million or 35% out of 10.2 million young people aged between 15 and 24, not in education, employment or training. In the transformation space, the ACDP asserts that this presents a ticking time bomb, a crisis of education, employment and training of young people in South Africa, which, if not arrested, can only result in an escalation of social and economic ills in our country. The ACDP agrees with the committee's recommendation for the development of a national plan for the implementation of language policy framework and secure to secure dedicated funding to assist with the developments of indigenous languages as languages for teaching and learning. We further welcome the recommendations that higher education institutions should refrain from introducing mandatory vaccination policies without reasonable consultation with all student and staff. The ACDP is not anti-vaccine, but pro-choice, and as a result, will continue to oppose any and all mandatory vaccine policies on campuses. The logic is simple. If both vaccinated and unvaccinated are able to contract and transmit COVID, why discriminate against the unvaccinated who choose to exercise their constitutional right to bodily and psychological integrity? Finally, the ACDP asserts that we cannot have transformation for the sake of transformation. Transformation must be applied equitably in that when applied, it must benefit all in South Africa, black and white. I thank you. Thank you, Honorable Thring. <clears throat> Honorable Kwankwa, are you there? No, I'm told he's not on the platform. We proceed to good, Honorable Heron. Thank you, House Chair. House Chair, the Portfolio Committee's oversight report on the progress of the University of Stellenbosch's transformation journey must obviously be considered in the context of the recent dehumanizing and racist case of a white student breaking into a black student's dorm room to urinate all over his things. While the University Council and the management presented a firm commitment to the university's transformation, it is the SRC's leadership input that we should pay attention to because the, because the lived experience of the student community must be the measure of whether the claim progress of the transformation journey is credible. The report makes it clear that despite the transformation plans, the lived experience of the student community is that there's a lack of transformation embedded across the university and that the transformation efforts seem to be largely superficial. The lesson for all of us is that transformation plans are worthless if they are not translated into fundamental change. The progress of the transformation journey was exposed by the most recent racist, racist incident as not fully embedded in the university's community. The university's community being the leadership, the staff and the students have not achieved a tolerant and safe space for learning regardless of your race or culture. 
What happened on the university's campus is also a reflection of our South African society, where racism and intolerance still permeates. The duty to build a non-racial South Africa where we can all thrive rests with all of us. But there's a particular duty on white South Africans to examine our place and our conduct in this beautiful and complex land of ours and to reject those who seek to divide us from our fellow South Africans. As the Stellenbosch University's SRC leadership said, it's about our mindsets. We have some who would like us to retreat to a lager that separates us from the project of rebuilding our country after centuries of, of, of oppression. They would like us to see the project of building a thriving nation with common values and diminishing inequality as belonging to others, while those in the lager are encouraged to complain and point fingers. The racist event at the university, despite our noble plans, their noble plans for transformation, is a call to action. We all have to be part of the solution, and building a country for all to prosper is not the work of others. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Heron. Uh, just confirmation, NFP, are you there? You're not on, okay. AIC, I'll just call them all. COPE, PAC, it's all the facility. person will support the report. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Nyonso. Hosilitsie, ukakwala debate ya report. Kalewa mudula stulo. The NC dismayed, is dismayed by the perpetual emergence of the ugly head of risk. Okay. At the University of Stellenbosch, the inhuman treatment by the white student, Dudoit, who urinated on another student belonging, who is black with resistance and no shame, demonstrates that our path of national reconciliation and social cohesion will continuously be diverted by institutional cultures which embrace discriminating practices. <clears throat> Wish the student who experience this act strength and call on the university to, to ensure that the student and all others affected are provided with various support to enable them to transcend this experience and continue their studies without no impairment. Welcome the suspension of days, but far-reaching consequences should be taken to communicate non-tolerance to racism and it not belonging to any of our higher education institutions. The response of the University of Stellenbosch should be a thorough transformational process, which acknowledges covert institutional racism, which is embedded in various institutional cultural practices in residences, sports, academia, and its staff relations. They must expel him with, uh, uh, they must expel him with others who continue to practice such despicable behaviors. Our oversight visit uh, to Stellenbosch University was a stark reminder that 28 years into our democracy, we, we still have institutions which systematically maintains white dominance. <clears throat> Despite the university transformational key performance areas constitution, constituting 20 to 25% of the total key performance areas, African academic staff uh, is at a, is a below past 7%, colored staff, 14% uh, and Indian staff, 3%. Uh, the university is a classical ex expression of the West characteristics 
of racial dominance and patriarchal state of our institutions. The university continues to pride itself as an enclave of African dominance rooted in the philosophy of Polskan University, <clears throat> which the idea of the establishment of the South African University to consolidate the social, economic, and cultural capital of Africans through Africaner nationalism. The university has 685 senior personnel, and in terms of demographics, 486 of those are white, followed by 79 colored, 64 foreigners, <clears throat> sorry, 28 Africans and 21 Indian staff. In terms of the distribution by gender, since 2021, the university has 411 male senior personnel and only 274 female senior personnel. The university continues to reproduce its huge democratic structure through its enrollment, which enrolled only 39% first years from historically disadvantaged South Africans, as the chair would have alluded earlier, while 65% of enrolled as a white student. This happens despite black applicants being more than double the number of white applicants, reflecting systematic reproduction of dominance. When we raise this, MPs like Honorable Schreiber accuses us of attacking Africaner, Africans as a language and Africaners as people. How pedestrian. In this report, we've made a recommendation for the development of indigenous languages to strengthen them as languages of meaningful academic discourse and source of knowledge for various academic disciplines in higher education. Uh, I hope uh, uh, our honorable members are listening. Just to correct Honorable King, we didn't go to standard boards because the DA has pushed us uh, to. We went there because we go to all institutions and I'm worried that a member <clears throat> failed to call Stellenbosch or, or I'm worried that Honorable King has failed to call Stellenbosch once, at least once, on their clear agenda of racism. I wonder why. The University of Stellenbosch should undertake a paradigm shift Thank which you. to position itself as a South African institution. We support the oversight uh, report. Thank you very much. Thank you. Honorable members, that concludes the debate on this report. And uh, we shall now proceed to the last order of the day, which is the consideration of the report of this Portfolio Committee on Higher Education, Science and Innovation on Commission for Gender Equality, report on follow-up hearings on gender transformation at tertiary institutions. I will now invite the Honorable Sibia to lead the, to introduce the report. Thank you, Honorable Chaperson. Allow me to switch off the, the video. Thanks, Chair. Uh, Honorable Chairperson, as the Portfolio Committee, we committed ourselves to strengthening oversight over our post-school education and training sector in ensuring that they do their part in implementing the priorities as contained in the National Strategy Plan on gender-based violence and femicide. We also committed to ensuring that there is a gender transformation in the different section, sectors of the PSET system. I present the committee report on the consideration of the Commission for Gender Equality on its report on follow-up hearings on gender transformation at tertiary institutions 2019 and 2020 for adoption by the House. 
The CGE has conducted follow-up hearings at the University of Johannesburg, University of Free State, Stellenbosch University, University of Zululand, University of Mpumalanga, Nelson Mandela University, and Solplaji University. The CGE is doing a commendable work to bring the transformation challenges that are still persisting in tertiary institutions. As the committee, we have observed the slow pace of transformation at Stellenbosch University and challenges explained by students regarding accommodation and water challenges at the University of Free State. We are gravely concerned about the safety safety and security of students in some of the university campuses due to poor infrastructure facilities and the inability of universities in providing safe spaces for victims of GPV incidents. Honorable Chair, the CGE through its hearings has revealed the low levels of compliance with legislation that specifically targeted gender transformation by universities. Women representation in the faculties of science was 32% and engineering 27%. At the Stellenbosch University, there was still a greater representation of men in men in many of the senior positions as opposed to women. The University of Stellenbosch had a limited budget in relation to gender transformation and their GPV policy. We recommend that the CGE in its work should work closely with the institution to assist them with the development of policies aimed at improving gender transformation. We commit to continue the monitoring of the implementation of mitigation by the institution to address areas of concern by the CGE. I, Honorable Chairperson, recommend that the report be adopted. Thanks a lot, Chairperson. Thank you, Ma'am Spia. Uh, I will now invite uh, from the GA, Honorable King. Thank you, Chairperson. At the time of admission for gender equality investigations were discussed, University of Odea student Nosi Trela Ntabeni's dismembered body was chopped in a suitcase by a boyfriend, also a student, Aluta Pasile. Yesterday, political parties joined hands in Mtata to march for justice for Nomfla Mtua. How is it then that a rape incident at Stellenbosch University that occurred at the same time as a urinating incident could not even evoke enough emotion for a picket at the court where the alleged perpetrator was released on bail? The Constitution of South Africa as a supreme law prohibits GBV with all its manifestations. Chapter 2 of the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, ensures the equality and dignity of humans in all citizens in South Africa. Section 9, 10, 12, subsection 1 and 2 of the Constitution prohibits violence. However, we live in a country where violence, especially GBV, is prevalent. On this background, a Chapter 9 institution, Commission for Gender Equality, was established in terms of Section 187 of our Constitution to promote respect for and the protection, development and the attainment of gender equality in South Africa. This mandates the CGE to monitor and evaluate policies and practices of organs of state at any level, statutory bodies and functionaries, public bodies and authorities, and private enterprises, as well as research and makes recommendations to parliament. The CGE receives investigative complaints of gender discrimination 
and has the power to subpoena and institute litigation. During the 2019-2020 financial year, the CGE embarked on follow-up investigations specifically targeted at gender transformation within various institutions of higher learning to understand the gender dynamics linked to the slow pace of transformation within institutions of higher learning, taking into consideration the labor legislation aimed at trans uh, transformation of which the following institutions were subjected to. The University of Johannesburg, University of Free State, Stellenbosch University, University of Zululand, University of Mpumalanga, Nelson Mandela University, Salt Lake University, and the Department of Higher Education. Media reports of sex for March scandals, allegations of sexual harassment in institutions of higher learning, the slow transformation around LGBTIQA+, and the placement of women and persons with disability in senior management and the slow uptake on the adoption of gender policies negated the commission to investigate. UJ had an accelerated academic mentoring program to provide career development opportunities with the goal of giving stimulus to transformation of academic staff profile in terms of race and gender to develop the next cohort of academic leaders, but at a 1.1% uptake of people with disabilities. Concern was raised of the University of Free State's accommodation at its Kwakwa campus, especially with access to water and long distances to walk to buy water in high crime areas. The commission found that although transformation is taking place um, at SU, it is taking place at a slow pace with the prevalence of more men in senior positions as opposed to women, and its student placement policy makes no mention of accommodating persons with disability. USET developed a policy and procedure on talent management, which targets women and people with disability for training programs aimed at developing leadership and readiness. The commission re recommended USET must reflect on work of the commission of 2018-19 report. UMP was applauded for the allocation of funds to address GBV and the implementation of the NGAP initiative. NMU lingered behind in gender parity in respect of its staff members in faculties of science, engineering, and law. And SPU showed slow progress and more progress of women representation in senior management and in the SRCs. Despite slight improvement, gender transformation remains a challenge. No amount of grandstanding will remedy these situations without implementable, multifaceted gender transformation policies in place. As we are waiting on the overdue ministerial task team report on gender transformation at institutions of higher learning, I end off by echoing the words of Dr. Tandi Mukwebi, a member of the MTT. The university sector should consider selling the benefits of transformation rather than force or impose change. I thank the chairperson. Thank you, honorable member. Uh, Babulang. Oh, the, the mic is open from Langa and the the video. Please switch off. Proceed, Honorable Chira. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, greetings to the Commander-in-Chief of the EFF, Julius Sello Malema, all the officials of the EFF, commissars, fighters, and ground forces of the EFF. Sadly, what brings us here 
or what brings us here is much more than what meets the eye. The true matter of today, Chairperson, is that the CGE, a Chapter 9 institution meant to protect and usher equity and justice for the women of this country and in the higher education sector, has chosen to protect Minister Blaine Zimande over the thousands of students whose lives remain vulnerable, either as victims of sexual violence or future victims of sexual violence in our universities and TVETs. The facts are that the current crop of leaders and executives in the CGE will keep flocking us with reports that do nothing for us but burden us with what should be done and should be their responsibility. Like hundreds others of their reports by the CGE, this is another meaningless one that only serves to make the CGE commissioners feel like they're doing something when they are doing nothing. TVETs and universities will continue being led by primarily men, white men. TVET students across the country will continue facing the danger of being sexually harassed and violated by lecturers and fellow students and having no tangible recourse because institutions like SWG TVET in Soweto continue holding sexual harassment policies that fail to even define what sexual harassment and violation is. And the department, as per usual, does absolutely nothing to resolve this crisis. It is no surprise at all that issues like Rhodes had the audacity to suspend and expel students for their activism against sexual violence and demanding justice for the rapes they experience in their institution. There is no blame demand or putimanamela that will fight rape culture and usher in a waiver of justice for victims of sexual violence in institutes of higher learning. Every person sitting in this room knows this, and so does the CGE. The, the CGE Honorable should Shira. learn, I think... Honorable Chira, please uh, hold. Honorable Papa, your hand is up. Chair of the session, Member Chira called Minister Bladen Zimande and Deputy Minister with your first name, which is a violation of the sitting uh, rules of the National Assembly. Honorable Shira, the, the, the order is sustained. We know what uh, Rule 82 says to us. Please let us, us adhere to the rules of this house as you proceed. And noted, Chairperson. Uh, I'll repeat it. There is no Minister Blake Zimande or Minister Buti or Deputy Minister Buti Manamela that will fight rape culture in our institutes of higher learning and usher in a wave of justice for victims of sexual violence in institutes of higher learning. Every person sitting in this room knows this, and so does the CGE. The CGE should actually learn a thing or two from public protector advocate Mkwebani on what a chapter nine institution does when recommendations are being ignored by institutions and by ministers. There is a legal recourse. The EFF has been begging the CGE to take their ignored reports to the courts. And they have not done this because they owe their allegiance to the ANC government that has never prioritized justice for women in this country. We reject this report as much as we reject the rape apologist and rape enabling government of the ANC. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you. We proceed. Uh, FF Plus, you are on the speaker's list, but I don't have a name. Uh, can I proceed? Hanford, Honorable Chair, I can see Paul van three daughters. Eén is in die beroepswereld en die professie wat traditioneel dier mans oorheers word. 
die tweede studerende richting wat even eens traditionele mannenwereld is en die derde is nog op school. Toe die oudsie in begin groot word, het, het ek vaag gesê, sê moet maar een feminist wees, want ek sien baie jongmans, maar nie baie ridders op mooie pere nie. Dit raak nou tyd om die selleraad die derde keer te gee. Net meer so, want intussen het ek baie geleer wat ek toe nog nie geweet het nie, en nou ook gewens het dat dit nie so was nie. Een centrale probleem is dat daar een reese waardevakuum in bijna alle gemeenschappen in Zuid-Afrika bestaan. Als een boodschap duidelijk uitgedra wordt, dan is dit dat die traditionele waardestelsels uitgedien is. Dit is jammer, want in die skeping van een nieuwe waardestelsel is het noodzakelijk om liever aansluiting bij vorige stelsels te vinden, als om een totale breuk te veroorzaken. Mijn elementaire kennis van traditionele Afrika waardestelsels is dat die belangen van een vrouw levenslang in haar familie op je hart gedra wordt. Als een man zijn vrouw slecht behandelt, is dat haar mannelijke familielede se plig om in te grijp. In Afrikaans, waarvan denk ek meer weet, is daar min belediging so groot soos om iemand een vrouwenslaner te noem. Dit beteken nie dat de mens naar die verlede wil teruggrijp nie. Traditionele waardeselsels het ook aanvaard dat die vrou se rol in die huis is en dat mans alleen in die beroepswereld betree. Dat de vrouw als die loopbaan van graad 1 tot nagraad sy die beste van haar vermoe deurvoer, Lei natuurlijk daartoe dat sy ook professionele ambities van haar eie wil nastreef. Een skadekant van die moderne samenleving is dat gesinne verbrokkel. Voor baie seens is die paas wat hulle moet leer van respect vir vrouwen en hoe gentleman omgedra nie daar nie. Kerk het nie meer die gesag wat het eens gehad het nie, wat beteken dat al die meer jongmans net eenvoudig doen wat hulle wil en wat hulle wil is nie goeie maniere nie. Basis en respect en dat nie, nie is, is iets wat voor die nie kursus in genderzaken in 21ste eeuw nodig het nie. Ook dat seks een godelijke geskenk vir geliefdes is en nie iets waarvoor je betaal met gunsies of geld nie. Een basis en opvoeding behoor duidelijk te maak. Nog een zaak wat vir die CGE belangrijk is, is die ontplooiing van vrouwen in senior poste. Ons vrouwen is slim. Ons moet opbouwen om hulle groot te maken asof hulle sekere beroepen nie kan bekleen nie. En dan moet ons hulle aanstel omdat hulle die werk kan doen. Nie omdat die quota vir mans al vol is nie. Dan ons, het ons die groeiende lijst van genders buiten die twee deling van man en vrou, waarvoor daar een kleedkamersvoorziening gemaakt moet word. Dit skep probleme en dit is amper soos om te sê, ons bou nou karre wat nie meer slotte het nie, want dit is net een skelm wat de kar sal steel. Die probleme wat hier so iets uh, voor die deur gelee word, is oneindig. Achbare voorzitter, uh, die vrijheidsfront plus aanvaar wel hierdie uh, verslag, alhoewel daar baie punte is waarop ons wezenlijk daarvan kan verskil. Ek dankie. Dankie. Mam Slengwa, angieti tjewe tjewe uwe masse wendtili. Is katjinge saako. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. The report regarding gender quality in higher education is important as it provides us with a view of how transformation is taking place at various institutions in South Africa. In keeping with the theme of previous report considered by this House, the report speaks to many challenges of transformation in tertiary institutions. We must emphasize the importance of transformation as a vehicle this, that brings about the mix of culture 
interference between previous regretless community. Transformation must bring about hopeful opportunities for every South African. An agenda that promotes unity, direct promotion, prosperity for our nation. With in mind, the report goes on the highlight certain shortcomings by university institutions in the, a bid to address inequality under representation and lack of transformation. The representation by various Help to bring, I'm sorry, the representation by various group of people help to bring about the unavailability of this institution to a wider range of people. We all are in agreement that education is the single most important tool for the uplifting of many communities and this accessibility must remain a key objective of the government on higher education. The IFP supports the recommendation by the committee that the CGE must improve its visibility and advocacy programs, especially among the Stellenbosch and Free State Universities. The Encourage GSP, GVP must be met with resistance. The IE support this report. Thank you. Amanya ama party away kogule list yami is given on gati say kaikwala from the ANC. Yeah, uh, let me thank you, Chairperson, and as well greet the honorable members on the platform. Uh, honorable members, let me borrow the words of one of our own deputy chair of the NCOP, Honorable Sylvia Lucas when she was addressing the Women's Charter report back on Saturday. She said, I quote, implementing commitments towards gender equality requires intentional measures to incorporate a gender perspective in planning and budgeting frameworks and concrete investment in addressing gender gaps, close quote. The agenda of equity, equality, and affirmative action is not the com for compliance, but a constitutional imperative in addressing the imbalances of the past and the current. Chairperson, the Commission for Gender Equality uh, have highlighted serious concern with regards to institutions of higher learning, with regards to issues of slow pace in terms of transformation, and as well issues of gender-based violence and femicide in this particular piece of sector. And the inability of some institutions to provide safe spaces for victims of the GBV incidents. We condemn the entitlement by some lectures who force students into sleeping with them just for sex for marks. To our colleagues who are assigned to govern, manage and lead institutions of higher learning, the gender agenda must be part of 
all your policies, plans, operations, target, performance, budget, and monitoring and evaluation. And as we have alluded and indicated during the in, uh, engagement with CGE, it is important that as CGE, as Chapter 9 institution, they make sure they go to this in, institution and ensure that they engage them with regards to the, these issues. And if they see gaps, they must as well capacitate those who are leading these particular institutions. Social transformation is agent and eminent for all races, sex, class, religion, culture, and beliefs, and not for the few. Our, our institution must be free from all forms of oppression, discrimination, apathy, and exclusion. Honorable Boshoff, I understand this one you won't understand because you still believe that you must maintain your Rania as the island. So we are speaking about inclusion. We are speaking about dealing about, uh, about oppression and discrimination. In all the recommendations that were set by CGE, we want people to implement. And if not, there should be consequence management. Gender agenda cannot be postponed. Let, let all South Africans test all the system in place to break the demons of social oppression that seeks to perpetuate poverty, inequality, and un unemployment. Uh, Honorable Chair, I would like to address Honorable King. On her statement, they spoke about grandstanding, and one is very worried because of she's been doing that in all her statements in terms of the debates. When you speak issues of transformation, we don't speak about I, about us. We speak about we. So we still believe that as a nation, we must work together in ensuring that all these spaces, we transform them. As usual, some of us, uh, we are not surprised, uh, Honorable Chiwa, today, you did the usual thing of playing the man, not the ball. And gender agenda is for all of us to ensure that we address it. As the ANC will support this particular report, I thank you. Thank you, Member Naniso. Uh, honorable members, that concludes the debate and the business of this virtual mini plenary session. The, plenary, the mini plenary will now rise. Thank you. Long live the chair. We want people to implement, and if not, there should be consequence management. Gender agenda cannot be postponed. Let, let all South Africans test all the system in place to break the demons of social oppression that seeks to perpetuate poverty.
inequality and white statements in terms of the you did the usual thing of playing the man, not the ball. And gender agenda. Honorable members, that concludes the debate and the business of this virtual mini plenary session. The, plenary, the mini plenary will now rise. Thank you. Long live the chair.